Amen. And if you'll now wel- welcome our senior pastor, Michael Hansen, to finish our series on the Invisible War. Good job. Thanks, Mikey. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Well, thanks so much. Hey, before I get into uh, the message, we're going to do something that we have never done before. Ooh. <laughs> no, I think that's happened before. Probably. Uh, so uh, end of October, which is upon us tomorrow, end of October, we're going to be kicking off a series. Uh, what's that? What did I say? That's what I mean. End of October. Tomorrow, October starts, right? At least in Canada it does. Okay. So, <laughs> can we, Andrew, come on up. We need to start again. No, there's already tension in the room. That's, okay. End of October, which comes after September, we are kicking off a series, uh, a five-week series called uh, My Favorite Psalm. So, Tim, you want to put that first slide up? We have compiled uh, 10 psalms, and uh, there we go, whoop, whoop, and did you get it? Okay, let's move on. So we, <laughs> we've entitled 10 psalms, okay, take a look at this, Psalms 1, the Lord watches over the righteous, you can see there's a number to the right, so pay attention to that, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 42, as the deer pants for water, Psalm 46, be still and know, Psalm 51, create in me a pure heart, Psalm 88, darkness is my closest friend. Psalm 100, shout for joy to the Lord. These are little summaries. Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west. Psalm 121, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. And then Psalm 139, you knit me together in my mother's womb, on and on, beautiful. So now, keep that up, please. So take a look at that. We're gonna have you weigh in to help us decide what five we're gonna do starting at the end of October, which comes after September. So take a look, pick one of those Psalms. And, and we're going to do it right now. So, and, and actually, we're going to have you text. That's why. We've never done this before. I don't know. I don't know if we can handle it. So once you've picked your psalm, look to the right. There's a number to text. So pay attention to that number, okay? All right. Do, 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 do. Have you got one? I know. You've got to think real quick. Do, 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 do. Okay. We're gonna come back to this slide. So if you've got the one to the right, if you don't have it yet, don't worry. So let's go to the next slide. So if you're a texter, boop, go to your texting, your messaging, and in the two section, and if you're not a texter, don't worry, you are not gonna be left out. Okay, we'll get to that in a sec. So enter in 650-600-9016. It's tougher than I thought. So we've never done this before and we're never going to do it again. 650-600-9016. Okay, that's where you're sending it to. And then, Tim, let's go to the next one. And then your favorite psalm, you enter in that number to the right and hit send. Now, if you're not a texter, grab the connect card and write the number of your psalm, that your favorite psalm. Now, no double dipping. Okay, you can't do both. We are a church, but, but uh, all right? Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, good. So come the end of October, which comes after September, uh, you're gonna know which five were picked, all right? Okay, Tim, let's go to the next one. Okay, 
this weekend, as Andrew was saying, I get to wrap up the series we've been in, The Invisible War. And uh, if you're visiting today, uh, this series is, it's been a series on spiritual warfare. And I think it's been a wonderful series. So good that I think we should just roll right into it and do it all again. Uh, but seriously, if you missed any of them, and there'll be uh, six in total, on our info counter, we have free CDs of some of them. Like there's normally three of them out there. <clears throat> but if you need to order a certain one, there's order forms to order it. But I would strongly encourage you, if you missed any of them, this has been an excellent series. So you can get those. They're all free. And for me, it's been fun because I got to both kick the series off and now I get to wrap it up. And one of the things I did to prepare is I went and... Uh, uh, reread of chunks of my, the first sermon I did. And this is one of the things I said in that kickoff talk. It says this, the goal of this series is for each one of us to grow in our understanding that the battle is real and that God wants to teach us how to see it in our own life and in the lives of others and then how to deal with it when we see it. And as I look back in the last uh, five talks, I would say that we have totally accomplished that. I think there's been lots of uh, both theological information and practical information. I feel like we've put, uh, well, tools or weapons in your hands. And, and as I was preparing for, uh, for this weekend, I clearly heard the Lord say this. Let me read it to you. Understand that the enemy wants you to quickly move on from this series. He wants you to package the series up, put it on your sermon shelf, and never look at it again. That's his desire, like just, just move on from here. But what God is saying to us today is he's saying, no, this series demands a response. It has to be more, this, more than just uh, more information on your mental hard drive. It has to be more than just an emotional stirring. I think in this series, more than uh, any other series that I can remember, there's been way more amens and you know, chairs being thrown and just excitement in the room. And, but there's been way more emotional response, which is wonderful. But uh, information and inspiration, that's just the start. There needs to be a response. And you know, it's, it's really like this. I, I have a bad habit that, uh, well, I have lots of bad habits, but one that I'll share with you is uh, I really like buying books. I love, I mean, Amazon knows me by name. Hey, Michael, you know, it's like, well, I guess they sort of do the way they do it. But they, I'm, I love buying books on Amazon. Here's, here's the bad habit. I, the thing, when I get a new book, and I'm, maybe you're like this too, there's something for me that when that book comes in the mail, I open up the package and I'm holding this new book in my hands. The, the, sort of the, the, the dangerous part of that is I think just because I now own that book that somehow I've grown, right? Like I'm smarter now. Because I own this book. Does anyone else do that? I mean, it's like you feel, it's on my shelf. I'm smart. And the danger of that is I haven't even read the book yet, let alone, you know, put anything into action, any of the truths into practice from that book. And so when we have information plus inspiration, really it equals potential for growth and for change. But it's in the action. It's when we take that information, you know, with the inspiration and we put it into action, that's when change starts to happen in our lives. That's when growth starts to happen in our lives. And in the context of this series, it's in the action that the kingdom of God advances into the darkness. And listen to this quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, the church exists for nothing else but to draw people towards Christ, 
to make them little Christ's disciples. If we are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. And as we wrap up this series, the enemy is going, quickly now, VCDC, move along, move along, move along to the next series. But what God is saying, saying, son, daughter, take my hand, and I wanna come alongside you, and I wanna help you take uh, something from this series and to put it into action in, in your life. I wanna teach you in this invisible war how to fight. And, and you know, uh, the kingdom of God advances when the people of God obey. When we do what he's told us to do, and, and I've entitled this talk, uh, this last talk in this series, uh, One Thing. And what I mean by that is this, is you know, one of my prayers through this series has been that, you know, as we're looking at all these different things about spiritual warfare, that for everybody in the room, that God will put his finger on one thing, one takeaway from this series, that son, daughter, here's what I want you to grab onto and start putting into practice. So as I wrap up the series today, my goal is, my hope is to, to hopefully bring more clarity to what your one thing might be. And then at the end of the service, we're gonna do something where we're gonna give you a chance to really commit to the Lord uh, to do that one thing. So let's pray and uh, then we'll jump into the talk. <clears throat> so Lord, uh, thanks for today. Thanks uh, so much for everyone who's here. Lord, I thank you that you know us. You know everything about us. And I pray that we could all just relax right now in your presence. That you know us and you love us. And you know exactly what we need today. And I do pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and stir in our minds and our hearts and, and real clearly show us that one thing. Show us the takeaway from this series that you want us to put into action that's gonna advance your kingdom in our lives and in the lives of others. So we welcome you here today uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're gonna jump right in. <clears throat> we're gonna start by uh, taking a closer look at how we live each day in this invisible war. So number one in your, in your notes, if you, uh, in your outline there, is living in the tension. Living in the tension. And I say tension because, you know, you look at the world that we live in and, and uh, the Bible would say that this is a broken world. Sin has poisoned this world. And as human beings, we weren't built to live in a broken world. We weren't built to live in the, in the midst of an invisible war. And I mean, all you have to do uh, is look at the news. All you have to do is you know, look around where you work or you know, your neighborhood. You just look around your own home and you see so many struggles and so many hard things and so many things that are unfair and downright evil and all these things. And don't you find that, that there's, some, there's like this voice deep down inside you when you see the, the hard stuff in the world. There's something deep down. There's this voice that says, uh, this isn't right. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. And I, and I totally believe that that voice is something that God has wired into every human being. Where God, when he, when, you know, that, that cry that this isn't right, God's like, you're right, son. You're right, daughter. This isn't right. This isn't the way that it, it was meant to be. And uh, a phrase that we use a lot in the vineyard, and uh, actually Andrew was talking about this in the announcements, this next equip class we have coming up. A phrase we use a lot is, is the kingdom of God. And I think the kingdom of God, and we're gonna look a little closer at that today, helps us get a better understanding of the tension of the world that we live in. And when I say the kingdom of God, I'm not talking about 
you know, like the United Kingdom. I'm not talking about a realm with kings and queens. I'm not talking about a geographical land, like this is God's kingdom or, you know, if you're a risk player. Uh, but, and I'm also not talking about a kingdom of people, the kingdom of God. It's not a gathering of people. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God over all things. And really what we're talking about is authority. And in God's case, we're talking about ultimate authority, that he is the ultimate authority to do as he wills. And so when we look back at the Garden of Eden uh, in Genesis 1 and 2, this, you know, beautiful, beautiful place where Adam and Eve are living in, uh, you know, well, paradise. And it's paradise because they're living under the rule and reign of God, the place we were meant to live. And it's complete, you know, beauty and peace and just on and on and on. But then if you remember the story, uh, Genesis 3, here comes Satan you know, in the form of a serpent and he lies to uh, Adam and Eve and tempts them and, uh, and basically his temptation was, hey, you guys, uh, why don't you come out from under God's rule and reign? Because there's better freedom. There's more freedom under your own rule and reign. And they're like, oh, and they fall for it and whew, sin enters in and poisons this, this beautiful world and, 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 you know, it messes everything up. And so let's go to the next, uh, this picture here. Okay. So when we're talking about the kingdom of God, that bottom line there, can you see it says this present evil age? That's like the timeline. And if, you know, way over here is Genesis 3 where sin sort of poisoned things. And this is the line that we're living in right now. We live right now in this present evil age. And the Bible says, I think it's in 2 Corinthians 4, that Satan, the devil, is the God of this age. And that's small g God. And to say that he's the God of this present evil age, I, I'm not saying that he somehow wrestled you know, rule out of God's hands. He didn't do that at all. What happened, or his, his rule here on earth is a limited, a limited rule. God has allowed Satan to have limited influence and limited power on planet earth. But then you see that first vertical line, right, where it says first coming of Jesus. That's the incarnation when God takes on flesh and comes to earth. And when Jesus comes to earth, he comes both announcing and demonstrating that with my coming to earth, the kingdom of God is here. And, and he, doesn't only just, he doesn't just announce it, he demonstrates it. And his arrival on earth, he comes, uh, you know, the, the, the power of God, the reign of God starts breaking into this dark, evil age that we live in. And we see Jesus going around, you know, spreading the good news, like, hey, let me tell you what God is really like. Let me tell you how he loves you. Let me tell you how he, you know, how he feels about you and how he sees you. And we see him healing the sick and casting out demons and raising the dead. So with the arrival of Jesus is the, the declaration that the kingdom of God is now broken into this present evil age. But if you notice, that top line is a dotted line. It's not a solid line. Well, why is that? Well, we didn't run out of ink. That's on purpose. Because what that means is this, is that the kingdom of God has come the kingdom of God is breaking into this present evil age, but the fullness of the kingdom of God has not yet come. And that's why when the disciples say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Jesus goes, okay, I'll teach you how to pray. <clears throat> Matthew 6 verse 9 says, Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. They're asking for the kingdom to come. Your will be done. They're asking for it to come. Let it be on earth as it is in heaven. 
And so what, what we see there is the king, why don't we go back to the slide? What we see there is that the kingdom of God has come, but it hasn't come in fullness. And so another phrase that we use a lot in the vineyard is the now, the kingdom of God is here, and the not yet, it's not fully here. And right now we live in this in-between place and thus there's tension. Because we live in a world where the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan, although it is a limited kingdom, uh, are existing alongside each other. And so there's a battle going on. There's an invisible war going on and it creates the tension that we live in. And the, uh, it's not gonna change. This tension is not gonna go away until we get to that second vertical line, which is the second coming. When Jesus comes back. And when Jesus comes back the second time, he will come back with the fullness of the kingdom. The fullness of the kingdom. When he comes back this time, he is going to obliterate the kingdom of, of Satan. And Satan is going to get his due. And he is going to be, he will be eternally punished. And we will again be brought back to that place that we are meant to live in under the perfect, wonderful life-giving rule and reign of God. And here, here's where it's all heading. Listen to this, Revelations 21, verse one. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was, there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. That's what we long for. That's what we long for. So is any, it, it makes sense then that there's tension because we live at a time where in a 10-minute span, we, we get a taste of that, don't we? There's times where there's just this euphoria and, and you just, you just, it's like you got a taste of heaven, but then five minutes later, you, there's something happens and you realize, oh, that's right, the battle is on. And that's that tension, the now and the not yet that, uh, that we live in. And so how do we live in that? You know, what will help us then live in this present evil age that we live in? Live in this invisible war? Well, number one is, is really is, is just to know this. To get, this impacts our perspective on how we see life. To know that, okay, we long for heaven. We long for the kingdom of God. But this side of heaven, we are not going to experience the fullness. We will experience tastes and we will go after those tastes and we will pray for those tastes of heaven but we will not have the full meal, if you will, until we get to heaven. And so just knowing that helps our understanding of just life and what we're experiencing. And another way that we live in this tension <clears throat> is to be constantly reminding ourselves and each other of what is to come, of that, of revelations. Because there, it's like the gift of looking forward. That's a powerful thing. That's a powerful truth to look forward to what's to come. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. 
since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So we're not surprised by the hard stuff, by the attacks, because we know, we know the world that we live in. But we also, in, that, in the midst of that, we pray for and celebrate the victories when the kingdom of God breaks in and we get those tastes. But in the midst of all that, we discipline ourselves to always be looking beyond the circumstances of this life to the joy that awaits us. And for some of you, your one thing, for some of you today, your uh, takeaway from this series is to embrace this tension, is to you know, embrace this tension that we live in. Because I think some of us, we are grabbing onto, no, I want heaven now. And the danger of that is if, if you won't let go of that and embrace the tension, is you're gonna miss out on what the, the work that God has for you this side of heaven. Because if, if you won't let go, if you won't let go of that, you know, I want it now. It's like, no, son, daughter. It's, you gotta live in the tension. You gotta embrace the tension. Because if you don't, you're gonna be in a constant place of frustration and disappointment. And so for some of us, the takeaway, the one thing is to embrace the tension that we live in in this invisible war. So now, moving towards my second point. We've learned in this series that God and the devil are not peers, right? They're not two equal powers duking it out. They're not. God created the devil. He's a fallen angel. And so the truth is that God actually is keeping the devil alive. And have you ever thought this? I, I remember as a kid thinking this. Why doesn't God just unplug the devil? Boom, no tension. No tension, it's gone. Why does he let him live? Again, with limited power and limited influence, why does God let the, the devil live? Well, point two is this. The devil is God's devil. So, uh, and that may be, bing, the devil is God's devil. And that may be, that's a quote from a German theologian named uh, Martin Luther. And that may be like, what? what does that mean? What I mean by that, or what Luther meant by that, was that God is not only keeping the devil alive, but he's using, God is using the devil like a pawn to fulfill his purposes. Does that make sense? Like he's using the devil. And, now, and, and there's a lot of mystery around this, because there's a lot of hard things that happen in this life. And so I want to be sensitive in that, but, but I think it'll make sense as I go through it that God allowing the enemy to exist. He's using him for his purposes. And you know, just think back to the, you know, the days leading up to the cross, you know, in the story of Jesus, where the religious leaders, the high priest, all these you know, guys have gathered together and like, what are we gonna do with this Jesus guy? You know, this, this upstart uh, rabbi, he's, you know, he's turning Jerusalem on its ear and now the Romans are getting angry. We gotta do something about this guy. Like, who do you think it was that whispered into Caiaphas's ear, the high priest, like, hey, Caiaphas, you wanna fix this problem? Just kill him, kill him. You wanna, you wanna, you know, you wanna protect you know, Jerusalem? You wanna protect what you've got going here? Well, just kill this guy. And if you're familiar with the story, better that one should die than the nation. So who do you think whispered that in his ear? Who do you think whispered in the ear of Judas to you know, the idea of betraying Jesus? Hey, Judas, and I, could it, maybe it was just about the money. It looks like in Judas's life, money was, was an issue for him. Who do you think it was as Jesus stood with Pilate, where Pilate is like, I see no fault in this man. Who do you think it was that stirred up the people to crucify him? And they all start yelling, crucify him. It was the devil. 
Because in the devil's mind, he's, he thinks he's working his plan to defeat Jesus. If we can just kill Jesus, then we've, you know, then we've, we've won. We've won. And he doesn't realize it, but he's literally fulfilling God's plan. And this is a bit of a, a blast from the past, but do you guys remember, well, some of you, uh, back in the 80s, there was a, a, a Christian singer named Carmen. Remember Carmen? The ladies are like, oh, yeah. Carmen's, he's a very handsome man. He's a very handsome man. You'll, there'll be a big, up, Amazon's like, what, we're selling a bunch of Carmen albums. What's going on? But so Carmen was this guy, a Christian singer, and his big song in the 80s, or one of his big songs was called The Champion, right? And so he, and it was like early rap, like early Christian rap, like really slow rap. You know, like, like Gaither, Gaither rap. But it was, <clears throat> oh, but it was, uh, and I, that's great. It's good stuff. I love the Gaithers, I do. But he, so he writes this song and he takes the battle that's going on at the cross and he, and he depicts it like a boxing match, remember? Between Jesus and the devil. And in the song, God the Father is the referee. And when I was a teenager, I, work, I was with a, an organization called YWAM, Youth of the Mission. And we were down in Los Angeles and we would do a street drama to this song. And it was like a big deal. You know, we would, so we'd set up speakers and we'd be on, you know, somewhere near Hollywood Boulevard. And, and you know, and so I got to play Jesus and the, the music was starting in the 80s. We probably had really short shorts, very inappropriate. But, you know, so we're out there and I'm Jesus and, and, and dun, 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 this boxing match is going on. And at one part, if you remember the, this song, it, I think it says something like, and at the appointed time, you know, Carmen has a great voice. It says that Jesus put his, his gloves down and stood there, totally vulnerable. And in the song, Satan just goes, you know, poof, and punches Jesus, and I would bang, I'd fall on the ground, like he's knocked me out. And, and Satan at that moment would see Jesus knocked out or on the ground, and he'd start jumping around like, I've won, I've defeated him, he's going on. But then when God the Father walks over to, to Jesus as the referee, and instead of one, two, three, counting him out, do you remember the song? He, God the Father goes, 10, nine, eight, and he starts counting down, three, two, and as he's doing that, Satan's like, wait a minute, God, what's going on? It's not supposed to be this way, and when it goes one, we, you know, I would jump up, he has one, that's how it goes, that was the, that's the big part there, but it's this powerful part, and, and I say that because it's a fun story, but also because it drives home the point that God used Satan to fulfill his purposes. So let me, let me bring this closer to home. How does God use the enemy in our lives? Again, he has limited power, limited influence, and he's, you know, it's all under God's control. But how does he? So one of the consequences of, of sin in the human heart is us choosing uh, independence over dependence on God. That's exactly what happened in the garden. And God, because he loves us, and because he knows how dangerous it is for us as human beings to, you know, to, to, uh, to be, live under, you know, do as we, as we want to do, that he wants to rescue us from that. Because, you know, have you noticed how we work as humans that uh, when things are going well, how quickly we forget our need for God? Okay, I'm talking to Christians now, right? How quickly we forget our need for God. And so, you know, if, if, if from our perspective life is going well, uh, you, we never sing. When life is going well, uh, you know, we never sing, Jesus, take the wheel, take it from my hands. We never sing that. We never even think about that when life is going well. In fact, the song is more like, hey, I've got the wheel, you get in the back. I mean, that's sort of our, our version when things are going well. But all it takes 
is when we start to skid, when the reality of our situation, when the reality of how frail we really are and how needy we really are, when that comes crashing in like, the, like a wave, it's like, take the wheel, take the wheel. And God uses the enemy's attacks to remind us to constantly be giving him the wheel. It's a reminder. It's a reminder that we were built not to live on our own, independent. We were built to constantly be dependent on our father. No matter how old you get, you're his little boy and you're his little girl and you're meant to stay right by his side. That's what we are built for. And so one of the uses, that, that one of the ways that God uses the enemy is, is to remind us of our need for him, but then he also uses the enemy to train us. And uh, think back to the Old Testament, uh, the story of the Exodus. Remember when uh, the Israelites are, are uh, uh, in you know, slavery in, in, in Egypt and God rescues them out of slavery from there and they head off into the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And as they come into the promised land, God helps them you know, defeat Uh, gives them victory over all these cities and all these nations as they lay claim to the land God has given them. But then later on in the story, uh, Moses has died, Joshua has died, and it says that God has allowed uh, certain nations to remain in the promised land, certain enemies to remain in the promised land. So why, why would God do that? Judges three verse one says this, These are the nations the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. He did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who had not had previous battle experience. He left the enemies in the land to teach the younger generations how to fight and how to do warfare. Was the same for us. We have an enemy that exists that you know, is prowling around like a roaring lion. And one of the reasons God has allowed that is because he wants to train us. He wants to teach us how to fight. He wants to, he wants to teach us how to use these weapons of war that he's given us. Because it's, it's one thing you know, to know about the armor of God, Ephesians 6, right? The, the belt of truth, the breastplate of, of righteousness, the boots of peace, the uh, shield of faith, sword of the spirit, or helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, and and prayer. It's one thing to know all those, but it's another thing to start using them in your daily life and actually, you know, putting them to work, putting them into action. And so God will use the enemy to teach us how to work because because, uh, he could do this all himself, this, this invisible war. He could just end it himself. But his plan is to use us. He wants to use us in this war. He wants to teach us how to fight, both for ourselves and for others. And so he is committed to training you and I how to fight in this battle. And, you know, I think, was it two or three talks ago, I remember when I talked about strongholds, right, where places where the enemy gets a hold in your life. And I shared that, you know, a stronghold that has been a fight in my life is in the area of insecurity and self-doubt for like as long as I can remember. And for years, for years, I have prayed to God and I've said, could you just take that away? Like you're God. Could you just flick the switch and take it away? Because this is wearing me out. And 
what I've seen over the years, and especially in the last few years, is God just coming close, putting his arm around me and saying, son, no, I'm not going to take that away. But I'm gonna teach you how to stand. I'm gonna teach you how to fight when you just wanna give up, when you just wanna hide. I'm gonna teach you how to use the shield of faith against the lies of the enemy. You're nothing. You can't do this. Who do you think you are? And he's gonna teach you how to use the sword of the spirit to fight back against the enemy, to stand in a place of authority that he's given me. You know, in a verse that I've been using over and over is, is have I not commanded you? This is God says to me constantly, Michael, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Why? Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go because the Lord my God is with me right now. So I don't have to be afraid and I don't have to, I don't have to cower, but I can stand boldly because I'm leaning back on my father who's right here saying, just keep going. See, and if he took that away, I wouldn't learn. I wouldn't have learned what I'm learning now. And I believe for, for many of you, your one thing, your takeaway from this series is there's a situation in your life that you're saying, you've been praying, God, take it away, take it away, take it away. And he's saying, no, I'm not gonna take it away. In fact, that very thing, that challenge, that hard thing in your life, that's your boot camp. And I wanna train you. And your one thing is to stop praying for God to take it away. Your one thing is to, is to say, okay, well then God, teach me. Teach me how to stand. Teach me how to use the, the authority that's, that you've given me. Teach me how to, you know, to use these weapons. Teach me how to you know, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And so for some of you, that's your, that's your takeaway. For, for some, it's embracing the attention, and for some, it's embracing the, the boot camp, if you will. Okay, we're gonna end off. Number three. <clears throat> Number three is simply one thing, the one thing. So God has called us into this battle. Uh, he wants to work in us and through us. And I wanna end off just by looking at, you know, the, the, the battle lines that he's called us to in, the, you know, in, this, in this series, the invisible war, you know, spiritual warfare, the battle lines that he's called us to probably will surprise us. Or what I mean is these battle lines can easily be overlooked. And, and here's what I mean. In the invisible war, the vast majority of the battle won't be, right? The vast majority of the battle won't be going toe-to-toe -to -toe with demons. That's not where the majority of the battle will be fought. There will be times where demons will, 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 will have to deal with them because that's what Jesus experienced. But we've been given authority to deal with them and to, take a, you know, to tell them to go. The vast majority of this battle, the primary battlefield, will be in our, in our hearts and in our minds over whether or not we'll submit to God and to call and to his call to love others. That's the primary place where this battle takes place. It's really, it's relationally with God and, and with others. And you know, I think it's dangerous sometimes when we, have, you know, we talk about spiritual warfare that we sort of get this, you know, really inaccurate picture of, of like these heroics on the battlefield. It's almost like, a, remember the movie Braveheart, right? It's, it's like sometimes we think of it sort of this William Wallace, you know, type thing. And I remember years ago, uh, after that movie Braveheart came out, and I, maybe this was just in Canada, 
I, uh, but I'm, I assume it's probably more places. There were conferences for men after that movie came out, that, you know, the Braveheart movie, where men would go to them with, with kilts, dressed up like Scots. We would, you know, paint their faces blue, if you remember the movie, and they would have swords and axes, and it'd be like, I'm sure their insurance rates went up for these conferences, but, you know, they would run around, freedom, you know, we're all Scottish all of a sudden. It's like, and they're all running around the room, and, I, and I'm sure God would look at that in the context of what I'm saying today. He'd look at it and go, hey, guys, guys, this is great. I mean, you guys look great. It's quite convincing. <clears throat> Still don't like haggis, but this is great. But this is, ac- this is really not a, an accurate picture of what the battle's like. Because gentlemen, really, just learn how to love your wives. Learn how to serve your wife. Learn how to speak kindly to your wife. Learn how to love and encourage your kids. You know, your neighbor, the people at work, I mean, across the board. See, this battle, the main battlefield, it's, it's, in, it's in our thoughts. It's in our words. It's, it's in our attitudes. It's in our, it's in our actions. And, and the more we submit to God in those areas, the more we literally say, you take the wheel and you drive, the more, as we do that, the more his light will shine through us. And the more of him is gonna you know, shine through and, and knock holes in the darkness. There's a quote I read that the, the church is an outpost of heaven in a world of death that we live in a dark world. And as we submit to, to God and we live our lives the way he says to live our lives and we treat others the way he says to le- treat others, Jesus shines through. And it actually, in him shining through, it actually sets other people free. Second uh, Corinthians 4 verse 4 says this, Satan who is the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made his light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. So what is that saying? Basically that saying is we submit to God's ways. As we submit to his uh, his, his command to love others as we live as, as much as we can each day like Jesus, that God's light will shine through us and that God will use that light to literally take the blindfolds of the enemy off people's eyes and they'll see Jesus. And now think about that. Isn't that how it happened for you? Isn't that how it happened for you that, that you went at a time in your life not seeing God at all and suddenly, boom, you're seeing, you see God everywhere. Or you went from a place where God was not on your radar at all and suddenly you, you know, there's like this switch and suddenly your radar is full of God. And how did that happen? It happened through people. It was people. Wasn't it someone said something to you? Someone prayed for you? Someone came alongside of you in a hard time? You know, someone, someone in some way, in some small way did something in obedience to God, in obedience to his call to love your neighbor or to, you know, whatever the situation. But that person obeyed that, you know, God gave them one thing. God gave them an order to go do something and they did it in obedience to God and because of it, someone else has now been rescued from the kingdom of darkness. So, 
uh, as we end off here, what is your one thing? What is your takeaway from this series? Is it, you know, to embrace the tension? Like I've been saying today, is it to embrace the boot camp? Is it, you know, could it be that your one thing today, what you're hearing is there's someone you need to go to, you need to talk to. Could it be, I think back on, the, on this series that we've done, uh, uh, you know, I think of Andrew's talk. Could it, remember when he talked about knowing your enemy? Could your one thing, your takeaway from this series be to, uh, to really work on knowing the truth, to commit to reading your Bible every day, and studying God's word? Could it be to committing to prayer each day, which is just sitting down and focusing on God and talking with him and listening for him? Could it be, uh, I think of JT's talk on the armor. Uh, Could it be that God wants to take you beyond just knowing what the different pieces of armor on are and going beyond that to what they stand for? And really, you know, study that truth. What would truth look like in my everyday life? What would righteousness, right living, what would that look like? Peace, to be a person of peace. What would that look like when I go to work? Like putting those things to action. Could it be when I did the talk on strongholds, could it be that there's a hidden sin in your life that the one thing God, he's saying to you is, son, daughter, you need to bring that sin out of darkness and into light because that's how you deal with sin. You know, it may be that you need to go and confess that to someone. Could it be, uh, Heather talked last weekend about praying. It was a very practical talk about praying for people. Could it be that your one thing, your takeaway from this series is to start praying for people at the end of the service when we do that because God wants to teach you how to hear his voice and to be, grow you in confidence to pray for someone because he's got a boatload of people out there that he wants you to pray for. That's part of your you know, r- uh, role in the kingdom. So what is your one thing? Here's how we're gonna end off. For real this time. <clears throat> you might not be able to see it, but on the si- both sides of the stage, <clears throat> excuse me, we've got baskets. And uh, one basket has a bunch of pieces of paper this basket has pencils and then this basket is empty. What we're gonna do here in a sec is I'm gonna pray for us and, and then I wanna invite you just to sit for a bit. Isaiah's gonna lead us in a song but just sit there for a bit and let God come close and really clarify for you, okay, what's my takeaway? God, what's the one thing that you're asking me to do that you're asking me to put into action from this series? And then when you get clarity on that, uh, just come on up, write it down on a piece of paper, fold it over, and throw it in that basket. And you writing it down, that's between you and the Lord. I mean, we're not gonna look at these later and try to figure out whose handwriting it is. We're not really. But that's your commitment to the Lord, to fold it over and say, God, with your help, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, with your help, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna put this to action. And then if you want to kneel down and just wait on the Lord, if you want to just go back to your seat and sit. But that's, that's how we're going to end off today. That makes sense? And if you want, come on up. I'll write one for you. Okay. No, that didn't go over. Okay. Let's pray. Let's pray. So Lord, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that you know us. And I pray that you would, you know how to get our attention. You know how to speak to us. I pray that you would clarify that one thing, that one thing that you want us to put into action. And I feel like for some of us, there's been one thing that God has been bringing up for years. 
And he's saying, son, daughter, today, today, today's the day. Write that down. Let's, let's do this together. So Lord, just come. Come and show us. So again, just sit for a bit. And when you're ready, come on up. Uh, you can write that down. Oh 